Welcome to Her Own Boss, the podcast and community designed to help you find your inner entrepreneur. Her Own Boss is created by Anissa, Ben, Sarah, Lucy, Nikki, and me, Megan, as we start our careers and learn from the inspiring women who can help us along the way. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Nikki, and welcome to this special episode of Her Own Boss with Dan Reed and Ruth Marsden. For our Father's Day special, Dan and Ruth share with us how they are working towards gender parity and to overcome gender stereotypes of parenthood, both in their careers and within their own families, while also sharing with us their advice for 20-somethings about navigating and owning your career. Ruth Marsden is the founder of Better Cup, a sustainable menstrual cup business, and mother to Jet and Nova. Dan Reed is a marketing professional and the founder of Career Dad, an online community and podcast dedicated to connecting dads who are as passionate about raising their children as they are about their career. Dan is also the father to Theo and Xanthi. I hope you enjoy and happy Father's Day. This episode is sponsored both by Rise, created by Barclays and Barclays Equalabs. Rise and Equalabs are on a mission to support female founders shape the future of entrepreneurship by providing access to networks, mentorship and training. Search Rise, created by Barclays or Barclays Equalabs to find out more. Hi, Dan. Hi, Ruth. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? All well. All good. What's not to like? <laughs> Love it. All right, so we start every episode with a round of quick-fire icebreaker questions. So I'm going to reel them off. Don't think too much. Answer with the first thing that comes into your head. Um We'll start, I'll go Ruth Dan, Ruth Dan, okay? Ready? Yeah. All right, first one is night out or night in? Night in. Night in. Okay, second question, board games or video games? Board games. Video games. Mm, Okay, and then the last one is a fill in the blank. So if you were competing in the Olympics, you would compete in blank. High jump. Table tennis. (laughs) Wow, wow, you both answered that so quickly. (laughs) I just panicked. There we go. So have either of you ever done high jump or table tennis before? <laughs> no, I have no idea why that came into my head. <laughs> That's good though. That's ambitious. I like it. Yeah, I can, I can dabble with a paddle, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Olympic quality. <laughs> I love that. When I was like putting this question together, I think my answer would have to be figure skating, not because I can do it, but because Ooh. I think it would be so, so cool. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're all pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing uncool about being an Olympian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're not actually here to talk about the Olympics, surprisingly, um, but I'm really excited to have you both on. Um, so welcome, and a special welcome as well to Dan. You are our first male guest on Her and Boss. That's amazing. Podcast, so no, Thank no you. <laughs> Um, So I wanted to start off just by asking, because you both have really cool sort of businesses or ventures, asking why you started each of them. So Ruth, if we could start with why you started Better Cup and then Dan will go on to you in Career Dad. Uh, Yeah, I was on a kind of journey myself to trying to make our house a bit more sustainable, reducing our waste and plastic and all all those kind of things. Um, And I got to think about my period and how much plastic it's producing and how much I'm sending to landfill every month. Um, and I'd heard of menstrual cups and just thought they sounded really weird. Not something I'd want to get involved with. They just sounded a bit mm-hmm. unhygienic and a bit hippie. And so I kind of just pigeonholed it all in, in that category. 
And then my sister started using one and loved it. And I was like, oh. So I gave one a go and loved it. And it completely changed my whole period experience. And I'd always had a kind of back of my mind niggling, would love to start a business, running my own thing, being my own boss. Um, and then, yeah, when I started using one, I thought it's still not mainstream. So clearly there's there's a lot more that could be done to be bringing them more into the mainstream yeah. market. Um, and then I was chatting to my sister who lives in Zimbabwe. She's been there for 12 years and she works at a school and each month the girls there tend to miss a week of school while they're on their period because they don't have any suitable sanitary wear so she was describing what she wished they had she having been in zim for 12 years she hasn't heard of menstrual cups so she was saying oh i just wish there was like a tampon that they could reuse so when we donate to them it actually lasts longer than just that one period or even just that one three hour stint within a period yeah um and i was like well funny you should say that so I told her about menstrual cups and she was like this is this could totally be the answer um and I'd kind of talked myself out of starting the business just because I thought who am I to start a business I have no experience at all I, I went to drama school and then was an actress before having children so no no business experience at all but when I talked mm -hmm. to my sister and realized the need I felt like who am I to not start it like I this is something that needs that needs to happen and so I just need to kind of put my own insecurities aside and just go for it um so yeah so better cup was born so the idea is that for each menstrual cup we sell we donate one to someone that needs it most and um so yeah my sister's school in Zimbabwe that was our first partnership but we now work with all sorts of different charities around the world UK based as well as in Zim with schools and other charities with safe houses for women that have come out of domestic violence and just anywhere where someone just the last thing they should be thinking about is how on earth they're gonna mm -hmm. make their period work the next month we're donating to um yeah so that's better cup that's amazing and and dan how about you starting career dad yeah so um it's a bit of a weird one for me because i still have my kind of full-on day job so i'm kind of like a fake entrepreneur i guess um but i guess for, for, side for career side hustle. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah career dad for me came about after the birth of my second child so i think without you know going on a a, a psychologist's armchair that I didn't have the most stable upbringing as a kid. And so growing up, I knew that if I got married and if I had kids that I wanted to kind of provide what I necessarily didn't have. And then uh, I met my now wife at university, you know, we've been together a long time and that all kind of fell into place. Um, and then we had our first child, um, he's seven this summer. Uh, and I'd started my kind of corporate career at that point. But then what happened is, when you get good at work in a corporate environment, you get promoted, which is fantastic, but then you get more work and then you get promoted again. And it's just this cycle that continues, um, which is fab. The problem was, is that I found myself being away from my, my wife and, and my son at that point, just my son, more than I wanted to be. And it was through my choosing it wasn't like, you know, it, with my dad where I could only I could only see him every other weekend. I was choosing to be in London, in Germany, where, wherever it was. And, and I really struggled with that. Um, and a lot of guilt and anxiety around, well, I, I want to grow this career, but I also want to be there for my kids. And how do I do both? Um, but to the point where doing something purely for me 
wasn't an option. So even like I quite like, you know, my running and my cycling and things, but then I'm not spending time with my wife or my kids and I'm already not spending enough time with my wife and my kids, so I can't do anything for me. And and it was um, when then my daughter was born, um, the summer of 2019, unplanned home birth, uh, but by the very nature of an unplanned home birth, it all happened very quickly. And that day I was meant to be uh, in the office. Uh, I had a few really important meetings lined up um, and it all stopped. It all stopped because my daughter was born. Um, I had three weeks paternity leave. And after about seven or eight days, I just wanted to check in with work to see how everyone was, because for me, work's a social thing as much as a, as a work thing. And I was just met with, you know, you need to be uh, there for your wife, you need to be there for your kids, you know, work will still be here, don't, it was basically switch off that tab. And I understand it was coming from a good place, but just I know how I operate and I don't operate in that way. I take my personal life to work and anyone who works with me knows that. And I take my work into my personal life and I just don't, I find it hard to have that hard split. So when someone said to me, you are not allowed to do this work thing, which is something I enjoy, that really hit me hard, harder than I thought it would have done. And so I was just sat there thinking, where is a space that I can look for dads that is about about work and dads. And and I got hit with two things. It was either the comical buffoon dad that can't get anything right, sends the kid out with two left shoes and, and all of that. And I thought that doesn't resonate with me. Um, or it was how work is this terrible, terrible thing and we need to get better at work-life balance and, and, and basically to be a better father. And I thought, well, that's not what I'm talking about either. I want to look at people who want to talk about work as a positive thing, but also parenting. Um, and I couldn't find it. So I thought I'm just going to put those two words together, career and dad, and see what happens. And the response was just fantastic. And it's kind of grown from there, really. I love it. I think both those stories are so interesting, because you've both kind of been motivated by these really taboo subjects. I mean, things like periods and menstruation definitely don't get enough airtime. But equally, Dan, I would agree with you, I'd say that fatherhood and the different ways it, it can look and, and be for different people, we also don't talk about enough. And I think what's great as well is that you're both in very different ways kind of working towards gender parity which is something that's so important mm. to us on this podcast um Definitely. and so my next question is kind of about you've both touched on it a little bit already but when you were younger what did you want to be when you were older did you kind of envision what you're doing now and how did family or didn't family sort of play into that vision for your future uh yeah I so I wanted to be an actress growing up I went to performing arts school, then went to drama school and worked as an actress when I, um, well, I actually left performing arts school, went straight to London to start working. So when I graduated, I, I'd worked in the industry for about three years before getting pregnant with my first boy. And I was in denial. I was really excited to be pregnant, but I was in complete <laughs> denial about what I thought might be the end of my career before it even started. Yeah. Um, the industry is definitely... You've got to eat, sleep and breathe, your art and your craft. There's almost a kind of one-upmanship sometimes of how many weddings have you missed for your to film and how many funerals have you not been to for a play. And there's that real, like, you've got to be all in. So I was slowly, my bump was getting bigger. And I, remember I was in a play when I was uh, about 24 weeks pregnant. 
um mm-hmm. I remember kind of breathing in putting on my jeans just kind of pretending that it wasn't happening um didn't tell my agent I was having a baby right through till I'd had my boy he wow. was two days old and they sent me a audition in London I remember crying to my husband being like I could I could do it I think I could take him he's two days old but you know you could come and we could put him in the buggy and, and we could make it work and he was like I think you just need to tell them that you've had a baby and you deserve a bit mm-hmm. of time off so I did that and then they dropped me and they I <sighs> didn't yeah. work and they they said the next day they they dropped me the next day and they said it was because they were doing kind of you know they give you the spiel about their shifting yeah. things around but the reality was I wasn't far enough into my career to be able to start being picky about what I wanted to do and I had said in the email I'd said you know I'm not going to want to miss I'm you know I'm breastfeeding so I'm going to need to work around that and I'm not going to want to miss bedtimes and bath times as we start getting into that routine so we need to kind of start thinking about how I take jobs and I just wasn't really in a position to pick and choose because I was only being offered you know a certain amount of work but it ended up being the, the best thing that ever happened my son completely flipped my whole world upside down but in all the best ways and I I think I, I was getting a lot of my kind of worth from my work but not necessarily in the right way so in the same way that when I wasn't getting jobs that was really affecting my self-worth negatively so becoming a mum just strips you raw and you just realize so much more about who you are and 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 who, who you are just as you and as, as a human but I also lost some of myself so because I wasn't working I love to be creative so I did feel like that side of me got lost along the way and then where I told you about Buttercup that idea came mm-hmm. after I'd had my girl and then when she was two and Jet was four I started my period again and the whole experience was very different post children and that's when I discovered menstrual cups so yeah my jobs along the way have kind of changed and 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 bent to suit where I'm at in my life and and I think only now in my 30s with my children being that little bit older I mean they're still only um six and four but mm-hmm. looking back now I you see the way your life has worked and that all these different things have kind of led to where you are now so yeah it's not at all what I thought I'd be doing when I was younger when I was younger I was such a prude and I would not say the word period <laughs> I'd absolutely cringed my core even talking about anything like that I remember going to my mum when I started my period and being like I've started I've done something and like couldn't finish, yeah, couldn't finish the sentence and I really don't want that for my children um Jet is just as equipped with periods as Nova is and that's my a real that. passion of mine is family now that aren't cringed out at all by it but it's yeah not at all where I thought I'd I'd be but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else that's so cool um yeah for for me so my my day job is is you know digital marketing within financial services who grew up thinking that that was going to be the, <laughs> the, the dream um yeah I I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do as, as a kid um I, I was kind of um, one of those really low self-esteem kids that hid it through being over the top gregarious louder than life so actually I always thought and wanted to get down go down the acting route I thought that would be like fantastic um, when we did the thing at the start you know board games video games and I was very quickly video games that was another thing that if I was if I was kind of you know 14 15 now I would be pushing saying that's what I want to do. So actually complete, you know, if we had like acting and video games on one side where I actually thought I was uh, going to end up was in law. 
So I did um, all of my kind of GCSEs, my work experience at a solicitor's firm, my A-levels were all geared around law. Um, and then when I did more work experience, I realized that I just didn't like it. So what that led to is I actually just didn't want to go to university. I just wanted to start work. And, and again, parents kind of had other views. And I still, at that point, really, really cared what their views were. And so I just went to university because. Um, so I did a degree in English uh, and American literature. So I managed to do nothing for three years, uh, scrape a 2-2, and then think, right, I now need to work. So I just got different jobs, really. Um, mm -hmm. Went back to do a to do a master's degree, um, and then that kind of helped la launch that that career. Say in, in financial services. Now I am about to move on to, to tech company, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I, I never thought I'd be doing this, but I didn't know what I did think. You know, my wife uh, always says that I'm kind of recklessly optimistic. Uh, which I, I kind of agree with and, and almost like that descriptor because I, I kind of have the audacity and I guess ego to some level that we are all capable of having a meaningful impact on the world and on other people. And so I guess that's where I still don't really know what I want to do, but I know what I want to do is to try and help as many people as possible. And it sounds a bit kind of hippie, but just to try and make people as a whole happier I guess <laughs> that's one of the reasons that I am so career focused because I think mm -hmm. the higher up that chain I go the more influence I'm going to have to do things as I think are the right things to do one of the things I'm going to be canvassing my the new company that I go to about is is parental leave uh, particularly um you know paternal leave um, yeah. and things like um bereavement leave I spoke to, to one dad who was on uh, my podcast and, and he was saying that he, you know, unfortunately, they, they, he had his, his daughter and she lived for two days and he had to arrange her funeral on paternity leave because there was nothing else for him. There was no support. Um, and I think that actually, you know, we talk about gender parity and, you know, one of the big blockers is that societally and financially, dads are not part of the equation and I think part of that is yeah. that we need to really stop celebrating dads for doing basic parenting I'm not actually you know the more that I talk about this the more that some dads really switch off because I'm like no I'm not going to give mm -hmm. you a round of applause for for, for quote-unquote babysitting your kids See, that's not you're being a parent let's stop celebrating that and you know let's stop demonizing mums for for doing what we would celebrate dads to do and if we get to that level then actually we can start looking at some of the wider issues as well. Um, so did I think that that is what I would be doing as a kind of 13, 14, 15 year? Absolutely not. But on the other hand, I did think that I'd be doing something that tried to make a difference. So maybe. Mm -hmm. First of all, I think that's really interesting, you guys going through your career paths, because we talk about it all the time on the podcast about how oftentimes when you're like at school and uni, you have no idea what you want to do. But I think some of the points you've brought up about how throughout your career, the expectations of you in terms of family have been very much gendered and you know, Ruth, you being a woman, there was, oh my God, she's pregnant, she's had a baby. Maybe we can't represent her anymore. And then, you know, dad, you going into this company and knowing that there's not time for dads to take off to take care of their children. I, I just think it's fascinating. And if I kind of bring in my own experiences, so 
my I'm not a parent but my mum is kind of the to use a very outdated term the breadwinner so she's like a career mum she's always had her career always worked and my dad has been primary caretaker and so for me that's always been normal but then as you grow older you realize that actually that's more exceptional than perhaps it should be and I know that you know sometimes my mum I think all parents feel the guilt when they're not around their children, but, you know, perhaps had to feel more guilt. And then people get a bit confused when they see my dad, when they saw my dad in the playground with me and my sister. Um, So I'd love to kind of hear more about your experiences of how you deal with these gendered expectations in your career, but then equally how you deal with them around other parents. Mm. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm happy to to jump in on that one. I I think so in, in work for me, it's around be, you know, I say, when we were in offices, it's leaving loudly. And and that's something mm-hmm. that I'm really passionate about. So if there was a sports day or a meeting or something at my kid's school and it's three o'clock, I'll stand up and go, I'm off. If you need me, I've got yeah. my phone. It won't be on at this time, but I'll also be on in, in the evening. So I'm a, a real advocate as well of nine to five is just such an outdated method of working. You know, nine to five was revolutionary in the 1820s to stop child labor. <laughs> Now, that was fantastic wow. and needed, but we don't need it now. And actually, you know, if you think about kind of corporate company metrics, they're never, when you write your objectives for the year, it's not I'm going to sit at my desk from nine to five because that doesn't achieve anything. It's about the output. So if we start switching the way that we work to output based whilst meeting, you know, business needs, customer needs and, and all of that good stuff that actually helps break down a load of these barriers. So when my son comes home from school at three o'clock, I will, if I'm on a call, I'll say, hey, can we just have five minutes? I just want to go and say hi to him and then I'll be back. Um, Mm -hmm. Or that we'll go and hang out and watch TV if I don't have a meeting, but then I'll log back on at eight o'clock once they're asleep and do a bit of work. So it's about utilizing the 24 hours that we do have so I think that, that that in work, just being very loud and vocal up and down. So I, I'm very vocal to my boss about what I'm doing. She's incredibly supportive. And to my team and the wider team outside of work, it's it's really hard. Um, it's really hard because it's, mm. it's, it's what battles do you pick? Pre-COVID, I was uh, picking up lunch um, and I, I wanted to go out for lunch. And so I took my my son and at the time, my baby daughter, like three months old with me, just the three of us. And, you know, as a, as a three month old baby, rarely they do what you want them to do. So I'm stood up kind of rocking her backwards and forth, eating a sandwich. My, my son sat like drinking his hot chocolate or whatever. Everyone's cool. And and yeah, this woman came up to me and just said, you're doing a fantastic job. And I'm mm. like, oh how it comes from a good place but if that was my wife it wouldn't there wouldn't even be an eyelid being battered and 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 it's really hard because you don't want to say well what do you mean by that if this was my you know you but at the same time you want to challenge and you know so I just said oh thank you but I'm just being a parent like and it's just trying to reinforce that when the expectation of dads is is so low and they have to mm. do so little to be rewarded so highly, that's a real problem for me. Yeah, my husband just my husband just says, "Yeah, I'm their dad," and yeah. just kind of <laughs> shrugs it off, like, "Yeah, I'm their dad." <laughs> just like, yeah, time and time again in the playground, at the coffee shop, on the school run, like every day. And then I find I'll be walking up, and maybe one of them's crying, and I'll I maybe I read into it, but I feel like I then get the eyebrows raised. 
Whereas mm-hmm. my husband would get there, oh, wow, aren't you doing an amazing job with that crying baby? Yeah. I get there, oh, can't you keep yeah. her baby from crying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 it's, and it's on the one hand, it's so little, it's such a small thing, but actually it's not because it's that, it's that societal kind of expectation mm-hmm. or perception that then blows up into, well, of course my wife won't go to London for that meeting if the school by default is going to call her to pick up the sick child, despite me working from home more than she does. Mm-hmm. And, and then that, that's where it really becomes an exponential problem. Um, so, yeah, I feel a bit I feel a bit torn by it externally because you want to make the point. And I think, Ruth, what you said and what your husband, I think, is fantastic. I'll definitely have to adopt that instead of having this internal dialogue where I'm mute <laughs> and someone's staring at me. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think actually in both instances, then for me, it's just about being loud and being proud. Yeah, that's amazing. I think as well, yeah, if you're someone that feels confident enough to be loud, you need to do that for the people that then will feel like you're giving them permission to say, oh, okay, good, because I've really wanted to get to sports day and I didn't think I could. And the kind of Mm. knowing that you're taking the responsibility of leading the way is is such an amazing step to be able to take on behalf of everyone else. Mm -hmm. For us, it's been a bit different just because neither of us have ever had a normal quote unquote normal job (laughs) so from dating you know 15 years ago through till now we've been musician and actress and then producer and youtuber and (laughs) now my husband's um is now starting the tech business so he's running his own thing so now he has employees which is something we've had a lot of conversations about it feels like a real privilege that Mm -hmm. from the beginning we can set the atmosphere and the, the dynamic of his business and straight away it flexible working and go to your children first come to work after and just really setting that standard that that he'd expect from his company it's been amazing being able to work on that together and being able to think well as as parents what would frustrate us or what has frustrated us and how can we make that look different you know rather than being like oh I guess it's okay that you go home to your children to to celebrate that that's what you're doing and to celebrate that you're working and you've got a family and you love both because yeah I'm totally the same as you Dan I'm so passionate about what I do and I love my work and I I make a real I make a real thing of saying to the children that I I love to go to work and and I miss them and 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 I'm sad I don't get to to see them but mummy loves her work and mummy mummy's so proud that she gets to work and this is what I do and and I talk to them about what jobs they might do when they're older and I think you can teach your children whatever whatever you want to teach them but really they just copy what they see you do I think that's so like language is so so important Mm. and and Mm. even you know with 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 my son where he'll say oh do you have to go to work and I say no I get to go to work you know and it's and it's just those little things because I think you know, and, and we see it manifest in adults. Right? I was thinking about this the other day, right? Because, you know, some, sometimes people will say, particularly my, my, my father will say about my son, oh, you know, maybe he needs to kind of toughen up in a little bit, he needs to, mm. you know, kind of man up a little bit. Um, and I just, and I just think like, actually, why don't we just switch that narrative and just mm. say, be who you want to be, do what you want to do, as long as mm. it's legal, and ideally safe um, <laughs> yeah. why not like why why not and so yeah I think that 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 kind of this is a privilege mm. um if you don't enjoy something there are some things that you have to do in life but there's a lot of things that we feel we have to do and we actually don't if you don't like your job please do something about it because life is too short and work is too long 
And I think having those conversations at a young age and instilling that is so, so important. Mm, Yeah. What advice would you both have then for someone, so say maybe someone my age or a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are um, kind of in their 20s. If you don't have children, but I think it's still important to have that work-life balance, how do you start those conversations with a manager, for example, if you don't have a manager that's accepting or kind of open to that sort of balance? How do you start that conversation? I was in that situation um, and I created a test. So I said, what I want to do, I want to run a trial. I think that by doing this is going to improve either my performance or my happiness or both. And this was about working from home, right? Um, and so I want to do a test for a month and I want to measure it, and I want to see where we get to the end. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I think we're going to have a better output at the end than we do now. Who can say no to that? Who who says, no, I don't want to see if we can improve things? And so that worked for me, and that ultimately worked for our team, and we ended up with a bit more flexibility. So I'd say, ultimately, though, do you want to work for someone long-term that is going to be a blocker? No, but that is something practical that that, that I did, and it, wor- it worked for me. Um, on the on the kind of first point uh, that you said around what, what advice would you give to kind of 20-year-olds, um, I think that, and things might have changed, but I don't think they've changed too much because I'm not far out of my 20s. Um, but when when I started work, there was there was this mentality of you keep work and life separate. You don't mix the two. And also you have to be employed somewhere really for two years before you move on. Otherwise, you look flighty. And I remember being in a job that I would cry every morning before going to work because I hated it that much. And I'd only been there for like four months. And I was thinking, I've got to do another year and a half of this. That is nuts. That is just insane. And the last thing, so I would talk about this for another hour, and I won't. I thought that if I did not achieve certain things by certain arbitrary times and ages, I had failed. That mixed with being very competitive, realizing that actually the only competition we should have is with ourselves. Mm. And the, the arbitrary dates that people say you need to get married by, have kids by, have a certain income by, own a house by, it's just all nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're talking directly to me right now, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we can pick up on that. We can pick up yeah. on that. It's, if I could really instill that message into a mid-20-something-year-old, that that would be job done for me. Mm. And that you can start again at any point. Yeah. There's no point where you're you're too far in or you're too far gone. You can start, you can completely change career, you can you can move to another country. Yet like you can do, you are the master of your own life. There is no rule. There's the way that society has told us to do it, but like Dan said, that's just so antiquated now. You can make a change at, at whatever point you want to make a change. And I think if you have an idea for something, if we are talking more in terms of entrepreneurship, if you have an idea for something, just start. There's no, if you're looking for a sign, this is your sign, <laughs> start now. Because it, you think you need to be ready or you think you need certain things in place or financial stability. You think you need all these things set up and really you just need to start. And my, my first day doing Better Cup was just in a cafe with my computer. And I thought, I'm just going to look at what menstrual cups are even made of. I don't even know what they're made of. So I'm just going to Google that. And then I, you know, worked out with silicone, then started Googling what silicone is. 
I didn't have anything to show for it by the end of the day, but I felt amazing. So I felt like I've had my first day of of the of my next chapter and like just starting, just doing one small step, texting one person, asking one friend that's an expert in something, writing some plans down, thinking up a business name, anything, just small things, but just start and know you can start at any point. Mm. You should both be motivational speakers because that whole like segment there, there are so many quotes in my head that are popping up and I'm like, oh, I feel like you're talking directly to me. (laughs) How as a parent do you think you're trying to change? Because so I think so one of the things just to give a bit more context that we talk about a lot in the podcast is confidence. And there's been loads of research to show that by adulthood, women in general, I'm not saying this is true for every individual woman, are less confident than their male counterparts and I wonder do you think from what you've seen as a parent that's learned do you feel like you both of your children are as confident as each other if they are how are you going to make sure that this stays the way it is you know one one of your child children learns to be less confident than the other Mm. yeah I think it's so hard I think so much of it is unseen society Mm. you you learn it from society without even realizing it because actually looking back my dad was great and he always is pushing us to ask for pay rises and promotions and he's always like what's what you know what's the person next to you earning and what's this and push for that and push for that so he he and he talks about it a lot and so we've definitely been encouraged at home and so it makes you realize actually how much you've learned outside Mm. of the home to kind of cancel out his voice I think as well within the acting industry which is obviously my my main experience women are paid so much worse but there's no talk about it so you just learn to kind of take what you're given and shut up which is awful and needs to change but there's also that feeling as well within acting that if you don't do the role there are hundreds of people knocking on the door that will take your role before you're even out of costume you know they will they will step straight in and so you feel like you don't have a leg to stand on and that because it's a passion career that to then talk about what you're earning undermines that you're doing it because you love it. Right. So I think as well, that's something I took forward where I was like, well, I'm doing better cut because I love it. So if I'm trying to earn a salary, does that then undermine why I'm doing it? Yeah. So I think with my children, definitely my dad did a great job and I'll try and continue to do that with them of talking about earning and what you're worth and that you can ask for things like you have to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get, and you need to be Mm -hmm. bold. Um, but yeah, I do. I feel so passionately about speaking to them both about what they look like in society and that my boy growing up as a white mm. male and what that's going to mean before he's even done anything, before he's earned anything, what that mm. will mean. And then my daughter, because as well, although she's female, she's white. So there's a lot that's going to come to her because she's a white female. Because I think one of my misconceptions was that for us all to be treated more equally we need to talk equally to each other but Mm. only since having a boy and a girl have I realized how actually they are different and they will experience different things and so I need to talk to them differently so that they then can achieve equally and so it is just working out that struggle of 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 what a girl needs to hear and be told and what a boy needs to hear to break the Mm -hmm. feelings and to to achieve what I hope they will that that just hits so hard mm. on so on so many levels <laughs> because um even you know even just on the whole sa- salary thing i t- i've taken not a penny out of career dad because partly i don't feel like i should and mm. and partly because i want it to be accessible mm. 
um, on on the whole, uh, you know, the equality around words and conversations, not the last article, but the article before that, that I wrote was around um, raising sons and daughters. And the whole premise was, I actually thought that I treat them the same mm, and actually yeah. learning that I can't and yeah. that I have to speak to my daughter so differently. And I have to, and I don't want to use the word protect, but, you know, she's not even two and you know we had people saying oh for a birthday um we were going to get her this doll and this this oh, pram and, yeah. and all and it's like if she chooses to have those things that's fantastic but i'm not going to force upon her the societal expectation that that is what she should do and i never thought i'd have to do that i just thought well if i just treat them both the same and mm. and it was such a big kind of you know, I won't say the word in my head, but like a, a head explosion of just like having <laughs> to having to really put in so much more effort to have that mm -hmm. equality and then mm. realizing that that's society, that's not just my household. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. Um, and I feel like we could sit here and chat all day and I kind of want to, but Sadly, we are running out of time. I have one last question for you both. And it's the question that we end every episode on. Um, Ruth, I'll start with you and then go to Dan. And the question is, what gives you confidence? Uh, I kind of touched on it before, but knowing why I'm doing something gives me confidence because I think it helps me know why I'm then in the room or pitching or whatever it is I'm doing. Knowing why I'm doing it gives me the confidence to kind of remind myself of, of why I'm there and helps me mm -hmm. fake the confidence. <laughs> mm -hmm. For for me, it, it's removing judgment of myself and from others. And so it's almost realizing that no one actually cares what I'm doing. They're more worried about what they're doing. And so yeah. I'll just, that kind of gives me almost the permission to do what I want to do. And actually just going, do I think it's okay? I'll give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, that's on me. If anyone else wants to weigh in, fine, but it's got nothing to do with them. And working through that mm. internally really helped me externally. Mm. I love that. Thank you both so much for agreeing to take the time to come on the podcast. I've absolutely loved it. And I can't wait for everyone to hear the episode as well. No, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find out more about Her Own Boss at herownboss.co.uk or by searching for us on LinkedIn and Instagram.